Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. I can just pluck a verse out of Proverbs this morning. Proverbs 22, verse number 1. Proverbs 22, verse number 1. Good to see everybody in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. You, you survived the single-digit night, and you're here. Amen. Good to have our guests with us as well that are here. I'm so appreciative of it. I, I, I suppose spring, I'm, spring's getting closer. It's got to be getting closer. I told someone the other night, I, I had a pastor friend of mine, he said it must be a good sign. He had some, had some uh, uh, daffodils that were poking through the ground. And uh, then I realized he was from Alabama, sad sack. And uh, so I got my hopes up. And uh, so I guess if I want spring to come early, I'm going to have to go to Alabama and smell the daffodils. Amen. Proverbs chapter 22 and verse number 1. The Bible says that a good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. And loving favor rather than silver and gold. A good name. Everybody say a good name. A good name. That's, that's what I desire to talk to us about just a little bit this morning. I want to talk to us about a good name. Lord Jesus, I come to you today. I'm grateful, Lord, for another opportunity to be in this place. God, for the people that have gathered here this morning. God, we appreciate them as well that they are, they are here and God, come to, Lord, listen to the word of the Lord and see how, God, they can take it and maybe apply it to our individual lives. Pray, O oh Lord, give us wisdom and knowledge and understanding in the next few moments, Lord, as we would look at your word. I know, God, that you're able to help us and minister to us the lovely name of the Lord Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen. Everybody say amen. 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 You may be seated this morning. Look at your neighbor and ask them, do you got a good name? Got a good name? A good name. A good name. You know, over the years, over the years, man, this has really turned into a dialogue here, I see. Now. Uh, over, the, <laughs> over the years, things have really changed concerning names. Uh, I know sometimes I start to read uh, what people are naming some of their kids nowadays. You know, it's a long way from John Smith. It's a long way from John Smith and Buford and, and so on and so forth. Uh, there are some unusual, unusual names. As a matter of fact, there's some unusual real names. If I can just share a few with you that are real names this morning. One, one name, this is a real name. These are real names. People that have named their, their kids this. Anita Bath. I, I, I'm just serious. Another guy here, his, his name is Dusty Rhodes. Justin Case. Pearl E. Gates. Pearl E. Gates. Ricochet. Earl E. Bird. Mike Raffone. Last name's Raphone, his first name's Mike. Microphone. Pete Moss. 
rusty car with two R's. Dan D. Lyons. L-Y-O-N-S. Dan D. Lyons. Eileen Dover. Eileen Dover. Eileen Dover. Ophelia Payne. I'm not joking, guys. You know, some of you looking at me, where'd you set this weekend to start coming up with this? I'm serious. These are some people's names. R.M. Pitt. I'm not making this stuff up. I don't have this type of imagination. Last name is Lear. First name is Shanda. Shanda Lear. Some of you want to go change your name right now, aren't you? A good name, a good name, a good name. Many times whenever you speak about the phrase, the phrase a good name, it is in, in, it's kind of universal in many respects, even beyond the United States, but in other countries and other languages for centuries, uh, your name is, is automatically what, what you are associated with by your reputation. Whenever you say someone has a good name, you're, you're saying that they have a, a good reputation. They have a good name, or that's a notable name. And so some of, some of the modern even translations of Scripture pick up, pick up on this concept of how a good name is associated with a person's reputation. And don't even start to ask me what type of reputation R.M. Pitt has, okay? <laughs> don't, don't, don't ask me. Amen. But like for in Proverbs 22, verse 1, in the New Living Translation, then they, they've translated it, choose a good reputation over great riches for being held in high esteem is better than having silver or gold and that's the reason then why we we have uh, the terminology it's been around for years and we use it and that is he or she is making a a name for themselves you know we throw that in making a name for themselves i matter if you'd say that to certain groups they think what in the world are you talking about but we're we're basically saying they're they're making they're making a good reputation they're making a reputation for themselves or or that person's got a good name you know it might be a a reputable name a well-known name they they got a good name or or maybe in the negative aspect he's got a bad name you all know how we talk you you and I'm not bringing up any names, all right, beyond the ones already named. But we, could, we might be able to bring up certain names in this geographical area. And if I did, you would already start associating with your mind, they're good, they're rich, they're poor. Uh, they've been known for some menacing deeds. You know, you, you, you start categorizing uh, people by their name because it's a representation many times of their reputation. Uh, I will name some names that we could all probably gather around whenever I state the name Lucifer. Oh, yeah. Sister Margaret, her lips came together. You made an association concerning the character and reputation by the name Jezebel. Now, she really set a path for anybody to be later named Jezebel because I don't, there's not just too many people I know going to call their daughter Jezebel because of the connotations at least not in a positive light, 
because there's too many connotations that were set years ago through Scripture. What Jezebel was associated with. Adolf Hitler. You tell me how many other people's named Adolf today. Seriously. Since he has taken his, his walk up on the stage and has taken his walk off. Elvis Presley. You're starting to think, well, man, the king of rock and roll, man that was in gospel and fell from it. You're all the, died at a, a, you know, premature death, really, uh, for life. You're thinking about all these things. Bill Clinton. Some people think about his presidency. Some, along with that, start to think about Monica Lewinsky. Right? Some of them think about his <laughs> Hillary Clinton. Right? And so there's things as Queen Elizabeth. Man, you're thinking about royalty. You're thinking about uh, Billy Graham. People thinking about, there's people, you, things come to your mind. Mother Teresa. The thing is, what, what you are, what you are, who you are, what you are, what your reputation is, cannot be separ separated from what your name is once they're identified together. That's the reason why Jezebel has this concept of a lady that, that uh, is, is really in control while her, hu her husband has uh, the name or title of authority. She's the one that's in authority. And that she's the one that tears her head and, and seems to almost present herself as somewhat of a, uh, a lady of ill repute, Jezebel. And so once that has been forged, once that's been forged, the name and the identification and the reputation go together, it almost is invariably very hard to separate that. And that's one of the reasons why that in Scripture, Jacob, Jacob, who came forth from the womb, grabbing, grabbing the heel of his brother Esau, he was known as, his name meant supplanter, all right, that you see through his early life, he, he, he causes his brother Esau for a pot of porridge to sell his birthright, right? And, and so he got his brother to sell his birthright. And so that seemed to be a supplanting, a scheming, if you will, a deceiver, Jacob was known by. Later, whenever uh, his father Isaac told Esau, hey, go pre prepare me some venison like I like it. Come back and I'm going to bless you with the blessing of the firstborn. Well, Jacob overhears this. He tells his mother, his mom says, hey, go get one of the goats over there. I'll prepare it like your dad likes it. And here's Jacob again, entering the presence of his father, Jacob, mind you, and he's getting the blessing of his daddy upon his life. He's deceiving, supplanting his brother again. And so he has this constant row. Jacob's the supplanter. Jacob's the deceiver. But whenever he had his encounter with God, and he wrestled with that angel, the Bible says, before he crossed over the river Jabbok. And the Bible says that at that point in time, the angel asked what his name was. He says, well, I'm Jacob. I'm the, what goes along with that, the moment that it's named, I'm the deceiver. I'm the supplanter. And he said, no more. You're going to be called Jacob. You're going to be called Israel because you, 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 you prevail with God and you prevailed with man. But do you know that after that point in time, that Jacob's name was changed to Israel, he still had a bunch of people that was calling him by Jacob because they couldn't separate who he had been and his name. They had a hard time calling him Israel because that had a different significance. That had, that had a different reputation set to it. They just seen Jacob stealing his old reputation 
And so that was still, that was still joined and associated with the name Jacob. So it's difficult. It's difficult to separate your reputation from your name or vice versa, your name from your reputation. Uh, that's the reason why whenever somebody changes, changed their character, not just Jacob, but that's the reason why when someone changed their character in the Bible, how their reputation was, how they conducted their life, that God oftentimes gave them a new name because their old name had, to, had an association that was so deep, a rut of character that was so deep associated with the old name, he was going to give them a new name that was like a fresh slate to begin all over again, to forge a new reputation with a new name. Amen. We see it time and time again. He changed Abram to Abraham, Sarai to Sarah. He took even Simon and he changed his name to Peter. And so he, 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 by changing the name, he was doing that so that people would identify them differently than what they once had identified them. Because something had happened in their life where they were no longer that same person. Their reputation wasn't the same. I'm looking at a bunch of people this morning that's had that very scenario happen in your life. Amen. Well, you say, well, Brother McGee, I haven't changed my name. No, but you took on a new name. You took on Jesus' name. If I could, I'm no longer Paul McGee. I'm Paul McGee, Jesus Christ. Amen. Why? Because there was a defining moment in my life that changed who I was, or at least should have. Changed who I was, what I represented, what my reputation, what I was associated with. See, some of us, you know, B.C., before Christ, some of us before Christ, our name was associated with, you know, we might have been a womanizer. All right? But after Christ, that's no longer a part of our reputation. Before Christ, we were the drunkard. But after Christ, that's no longer a part of our reputation. He says, so I'm going to put my name on you. Going to put my name on you and give you a good name. And along with a good name, you get a good or better or different reputation. Amen. So, so in addition to our reputation, our name, though, also represents our authority. Our authority, you know, um, whenever, whenever a police officer stops you, and of course I know they don't do this anymore, but you see it depicted in, in pictures or cartoons, and they stop in the name of the law. It's the law's authority that stops you and not the man. There's, there's authority associated with certain things. For instance, the law. As a matter of fact, uh, we, we were... <laughs> We were up in uh, the northern part of Indiana a few weeks back, and we were preaching uh, at, at Brother Hall's church in Greentown. And on our way home, uh, coming back down 31 and getting ready to get close to Indianapolis, we were going to stop in there, and I was going to see my sister Rebecca that lives up in that area. And there's a lot of construction going on right now around that area and so some of the exits are not as plain as they once was because everything's moved around it's different and so I missed my exit to turn uh, toward her house and and so I had to turn around and come back and and my wife ever since we've been married y'all go tell me later I know but my wife ever since we've been married has had has had problems forgetting about buckling her seatbelt 
And it's a constant thing. You know, say, dear, you got your seatbelt on. Dear, get your seatbelt on. I've done it for years. Done it for years. Matter of fact, I told her one time. I said, dear, I said, if we're ever in an automobile accident and you die because you didn't have the seatbelt on, I'm going to have the mortician put a seatbelt in your casket and have it come over your body so everybody knows that they need to wear a seatbelt. That's right. <laughs> well, this day not being unlike some others, we got on that road going to my sister's house and I, I'm very cop conscious because, well, number one, I used to travel all the time. Number two, I have a reason to be because I always go a little faster than what the law says. Confession's good for the soul. Never received a ticket in my life, and this may be incriminating. We might need to edit this podcast. But I seen in my peripheral up a little distance that there was a cop sitting in the parking lot. I looked over and see my wife did not have her seatbelt on. I said, dear, you need to put your seatbelt on. So she slid it over and got her, she, her arms over top of it. And as we went by him, he come out behind us. And I pulled in the parking lot, and I knew what it was going on. Now, I know in certain states they have to have something else in order to pull you over and you just can't see a seatbelt, but not in Indiana. He was on seatbelt duty that day, wouldn't you know? And he didn't come to my side of the window. He came to her side of the window. And says, ma'am, can I see your license? What are you saying? Man, I pulled over. Why? Because there, were, there was decals on that car that said it was a police vehicle. There were lights on top that said it was a police vehicle. He had a gun on his side. And with all of that, there's a certain element of authority associated with it. I didn't go on down the road. It wasn't like Ma and Paul just pulled out behind me. This was the authorities. This was the police. And we, she did get a ticket, by the way, for that. Amen. Bless her heart. He said, ma'am, if you have it underneath your arm, it's the same as not wearing it. He didn't even see her put it on while he was driving close, but nevertheless... So stop in the name of the law. There's power and authority associated with certain things. Your name has a certain amount of authority. Your name has an authority at your bank with your bank account. You can withdraw money. You can go in and write a check because of the authority that's associated with your name. There's transactions that can take place. You get on phones with certain uh, 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 companies or things that you have relationships with. And, of course, now we go a whole lot further than name because of identity theft, but you get name and you get social security number and just short of your analysis and everything else, you can get into some of the stuff that belongs to you. There's a certain authority that belongs to your name. If, if I was eating dinner, you know, and John Smith called, well, you know what, I'm, probably, I'm not probably going to answer my phone. I'm in the middle of eating dinner. But if on my screen somebody that I deemed was of authority or importance called, it probably didn't matter if I was in the middle of dinner or not. I'm going to pick that up. Why? Because there's a certain amount of authority. Certain names represent authority. And so when someone has authority, listen, when people have authority and no reputation, they have power, but they have no character. Amen. And that's a dangerous position to be in to have power but have no character because what that results in is a misuse of their name and their position. 
having a lot of power, but no character. Amen. So consider this, talking about how things are associated. Let me ask you, would you like to work for this company right here? It has just over 300 employees, and this, these are the following statistics concerning these 300 employees. 30 have been accused of spousal abuse. Nine have been arrested for fraud. Fourteen have been accused of writing bad checks. Ninety-five have directly or indirectly bankrupted at least two businesses. Four have done time for assault. Fifty-five can't get a credit card due to bad credit. Twelve have been arrested on drug-related charges. Four have been arrested for shoplifting. Sixteen are currently defendants in lawsuits. Sixty-two have been arrested for drunk driving in what was the last year. You know what this organization is? And without stating detail, but it's the parliament of a certain country. The parliament, the governing body of a particular country. People who write laws <laughs> for a particular country. Amen. <laughs> Anybody want to go to work? There are many religions and religious figures in the world today, and some of them have good reputations, but there's others that have bad reputations. But none, unless they're born again in the water and spirit, amen, have any type of reputation that's even close to resembles the reputation of Jesus Christ. Whenever Christ came into the world, Everything that he touched was utterly transformed. Everything that he came in contact with did not stay the same. Insomuch that even his uh, encounter with a man that has leprosy, that had no known cure, uh, there's only one in the Old Testament that's ever spoken of as being healed. It was healed by the power of Jesus Christ. But whenever he came in contact with this man who was unclean, which the law said, you come in contact with something unclean, you, the clean, will become unclean. But that's not the scenario. When Christ come in contact with the unclean, rather than becoming unclean himself, he made what was unclean clean. He affected everything that he touched. He, whenever he came, just born in Bethlehem's manger, whenever he was born into the world, when he had his first birthday, and he was born, so to speak, uh, that, that birth, that day, it utterly altered the way that we measure time. Now, for ages and ages, we have the B.C., excuse me, and the A.D., because he affects everything that he touches. Uh, so even whenever somebody that's an agnostic or an atheist that's writing a letter to a friend and is dating it, he's acknowledging Christ Jesus because he affects even the time, amen, spectrum that we live in. And so Jesus Christ, though, is unique to any other God that is served in this world. His name is unique to any other world religion that we have today. His resurrection, the resurrection of Christ, is unique only to him and the authority and power that's associated with it. Amen. Because whenever Confucius, people serve and they revere Confucius, but whenever Confucius died, he was buried and that was the end of it. 
There was nothing else said. Uh, whenever Buddha rotted from food poisoning, history says, he rotted from food poisoning, that's it. There's no other life beyond after he died from the food poisoning. Muhammad died in A.D. 632, and that's the end of the story. There's nothing else spoke about him. His body was cut up and spread all over the Near East. But whenever Jesus died and was buried, one, two, three days later, he rose again and resurrected. And so there's no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved but the name of Jesus because after three days he got back up and so there's a reputation that's associated with that name there's an authority that's associated with that name amen Buddha won't cleanse sins Confucius will not cleanse sins Muhammad will not cleanse sins they don't have the reputation nor the authority in their name to do that but Jesus Christ that went to the cross for our sins got up on the third day he has the reputation and he has the authority he has a good name to be able to do those very things that we need done in our life when other religions promise heaven they're writing a blank check. Amen. They may have a reputation, but they have no real authority. But whenever Christ Jesus gives the promise of heaven, honey, he has the authority and the reputation to back exactly what he's saying. Amen. Hallelujah. Someone say amen. amen. One, one Old Testament prophecy after another, whenever you look from Genesis to Malachi, they prophesy and often predict the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ in Scripture. Uh, centuries before he ever arrived, there were predictions and prophecies about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ upon the earth. One of them is Isaiah 7 and verse 14. Isaiah 7 verse 14 states these words, and just bear with us this morning. Brother Zach is just going on the fly today. Thank you. He's good now. Therefore, the Lord himself shall give you a sign Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Isaiah is prophesying of the time that Jesus Christ would be born. And he says this virgin, which would be Mary, amen, would conceive, have a child, and call his name Emmanuel. Amen. Emmanuel, the Bible says, is his name, shall be. And so the question is asked, if Mary's son was to be called Emmanuel, why did she name him Jesus? The reason why, folks, is because Emmanuel and Jesus, in essence, mean the same thing. Listen to me now. Matthew wrote that Emmanuel, Matthew chapter number 1, somewhere probably around verse 21, somewhere there in the 20s, that Emmanuel being interpreted God with us Jesus's name the name Jesus means Yahweh saves or God saves in other words whenever you have the totality the, the totality of these the reputation the authority there is something really that is related to you and I and that is this where God dwells God saves where God is at salvation is possible amen wherever he dwells he will bring salvation to that place 
And the list is endless whenever we consider this. You look at Zacchaeus in a tree, and he says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And where God went, salvation showed up. Bartimaeus, blind, crying, Lord, thou son of David, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And the Bible says Jesus stood still and went to where he was. And where God went, salvation came. Lazarus, four days old in a tomb. The Bible says they told Jesus he was in another town, told him that he was dying, and purposefully, Jesus abode a couple more days where he was at. He deliberately was late. Late is, is subjective, but he, he was deliberately late. Showed up four days. He went to the tomb. And whenever it was all said and done, Lazarus is walking out of the tomb. Because where God dwells, he brings salvation. Mary Magdalene is another good example. She was one that had, had, uh, had some, some, some problems in her life. The demonic at Gadara. Amen. Jesus showed up on the shore. The demonic man comes running out. And before Jesus leaves the shore, the man's sitting there in his right mind. He's clothed because where God goes, he saves. There's Matthew, the tax collector. There's the Samaritan woman at the well who had five husbands. And the one she was with now was not her husband. But where God showed up, salvation came. There's the woman with the issue of blood that just touched the hem of his garment. And being where God is, salvation, healing took place as well. Ten lepers, one comes back and thanks him go show yourself to the priest salvation Jairus's daughter a dead 12 year old girl everybody's weeping everybody's crying he brings mom and dad and three of his disciples into the room whenever he gets done there's a was a dead girl but now there's a girl sitting up ready to be fed where he went salvation came also the blind the lame the list is endless why because there's the power and the authority that's associated with the name. Whenever the lame man in Acts 3 was sitting outside the gate called Beautiful, and Peter and John went there, being the hour of prayer, and he was expecting to receive something, more than likely alms, because that's the reason why they sat there all times, that Peter told him, he said, Look on us, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have given to thee. And he took a hold of him in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and, and, the, and his legs and ankle bones received strength, and he walked and praise God and as a result of that Peter and John get in trouble by the high ranking officials people that had a noble name uh huh, had a name of high society and authority within the city and they said this they wanted to know this man has been lame for 40 some odd years everybody knows he can't walk everybody knows he's a lame man but he's walking today and their question was this by what power or what authority has this been done? They said, by the name Jesus Christ of Nazareth. He had a reputation. Where he went, people were healed. 
Where he went, salvation come. He had a reputation, but he also had an authority. This wasn't happenstance. This wasn't luck that was just taking place. I just got lucky that day. No, he had the authority. If he wanted the dumb to speak, they spoke. If he wanted the blind to see, they saw. If he wanted the deaf to hear, they heard. If he wanted the dead to raise, they rose. Why? Because his name is Jesus. And he has the reputation and the authority to back what he does and say what he says people have always sought out healers always sought out healers or services of somebody that could take away their hurt or somehow minister to their human soul amen always there's been a lot of people that's applied for the position too amen had their little signs outside their doors and their little darkened shanties with uh huh, their smoke filling the room and uh huh. Tell people about what is coming, what's happening, what's going, what's going to transpire. But most of the time, it's just bitter disappointment. You know the, the, what I'm fascinated with, and, and I believe there is a real spiritual world. I don't have to say that; you know that. There's a real spiritual world. There's a real spiritual world that's good there's one that's evil we understand that and I doubt not that there are some things that tap into uh, evil satanic uh, aspects of the spiritual world that they might be able to conjure in such a way and give somebody somewhat of a forethought about what their future is but here's the thing it could be that the future for them could be very dismal but you know what that person don't have the power to do to change their future but Jesus Christ, he can not only let you in on what your future is, but he has the capability of changing. Uh-huh. It could be negative gloom, doom, and despair, but if you would surrender, he has the ability of changing what your present-day future is. Amen. And so Isaiah, then in Isaiah 9, 6, Brother Zach, he, he introduces to us then a special candidate for this that people been longing for and searching for and he says for unto us a child is born unto us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor brother Zach made mention of this last, last Sunday night the mighty God the everlasting father the prince of peace what we have here is an Old Testament resume for the Christ child. Old Testament resume, qualifications of the Christ child. Personality, wonderful. And he's perfectly balanced. Wonderful. What about his education? Well, he's a counselor. He knows all things. Well, what, what about his nationality? Well, he's the mighty God. He rules all nations. Well, what about his work experience? Well, he's the everlasting father. He's the creator. Well, what about his skills? He's the Prince of Peace. He's a reconciler. And so whenever we view those, those, those skills, those qualifications above, Isaiah along with the prophets and the apostles and all the others that spoke of him, amen, he exhorts you and I, mankind, hey, don't look for any of that here below. If you're looking for a good name, don't look any further than heaven's child. Don't look any further than the name that is above, Scripture says, every name. 
You're not finding a name any higher with any more of a, a prized reputation than his name. So where do we use the authority? Where do we use the authority then of this good name that's been introduced and given to you and I? John 14 verse 13 and 14. John 14 verse 13 and 14. We use the authority of this good name that you and I have been so graciously introduced to. We use the authority of this good name in prayer. And whatsoever ye ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If ye shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. Where do you want to use that name? You want to use that name in prayer. I don't want to approach in my own person. And Paul McGee, let me tell you, it will... <laughs> It will just it'll stack up right here before the pulpit. That's as far as it'll go. But whenever I use, you know, people do that. Have you ever been in a scenario that people try, try to drop names to try to get, you know what I'm saying, they drop names as leverage as somebody that is, I had so, honest to God, and I may have told this before, and again, I'm nothing, folks, but I held a revival for a home missions church several years ago being evangelist. It was the first revival they ever had. And so it was special for them, and it was special for us being that we were uh, the first evangelists that they ever had, had a, had a revival, and so did. And so years, years elapsed from that time. I was pastoring now, and I had a, this, this pastor that had it so many years ago uh, in his home mission church for being their first evangelist, first revival. He said, brother, he said, I, I appreciate you sending such and such. Named a person. I didn't know this name from anybody. I said, what are you talking about, such and such? Yeah, such and such. He, he called and said that, that you know, uh, he was really good friends with, with Paul McGee and, that, uh, and so on and so forth, all this stuff. And so he had him for revival. And I said, well, how'd things go? He said, things went well. He said, yeah. I said, yeah, I know him. <laughs> what I'm saying is people try to use names to get foots in doors or do whatever else. Well, you know, when it comes to prayer, God has given us, God has given us the okay Go on and use my name. Go on and use my name. And whatever you ask in my name, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. How, what's another venue that we should use his name? Luke 24, verse 47. I'll try to keep you ahead, Brother Zach. I'm sorry. I should be, I should be better to you. And then Luke 24, and verse 47. We should use the authority of his name in preaching, teaching, and that repentance and remission of sin should be preached. In his name, among all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's what Christ told his disciples in Luke 24 and Acts 1 and 2. We see that taking place. Then Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Our preaching needs to be in the name of Jesus. Yeah, whenever we read Acts 8, Acts 8, there's revival going on in Samaria, all right? There's revival. Uh, John's there, I believe it is. Peter is there. There's people receiving the Holy Ghost, getting baptized. Philip is there. Philip is instructed by the Holy Ghost to go away to a desert place. There's a eunuch out there, he says, that's reading the Scripture, but he's not understanding what he's reading. I need you to go out there, and I need you to explain. And so he was up in his chariot, and, and Philip is there, and he says, hey, what's going on? He says, well, I'm not understanding what I'm reading. He says, well, do you mind me help you out? 
And, and, and this eunuch was reading from Isaiah about the Lord's humiliation, about his basically death that was being prophesied in Isaiah. And you know what the Scripture says? Now listen to me. Later in the Scripture, the eunuch says, here is water. What hinders me from being baptized? Philip says nothing. They went down the water. He baptized him, came back out of the water. But whenever you read the dialogue of Scripture, that Philip started where the eunuch was reading Isaiah, and you know what the Scripture just says. This is all it says. And he preached Jesus to him. It doesn't go into any other detail, but evidently preaching in the name of Jesus is preaching water baptism. Preaching in the name of Jesus is preaching Holy Ghost in filling. He said, hey, if you want to use authority and power, preach in my name, preach in Jesus' name. Why? Because once again, wherever his name shows up, amen, wherever God dwells, salvation comes with him. So use the authority of his name in preaching. We need to preach in the name of Jesus. Yes, sir, we do. We need to preach in the name of Jesus. Amen. Acts 3 and 6 and Acts 3 and 16, Brother Zach, Acts 3 and 6 and 3 and 16. What, what's another place we need to use the authority of this name? For healing. Mm-hmm. Then Peter said, this gold have I none, silver and gold have, I, gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. We have looked at that, the, the lame man. And his name, verse 16, and his name through faith in his name hath made this man strong whom you see and know, yea, the faith which is, in, which is by him hath given him the perfect soundness in the presence of you all. said it's because of his name. What, what, that's the reason why we do scripture in Colossians. said, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of Jesus Christ. Because that name has a reputation. That name has authority. And so when we pray for people, we pray for them in Jesus' name. I pray over, I pray a prayer, I end it in the name of Jesus. We baptize people in the name of Jesus. And let me tell you this, if there would be a demoniac person coming here, you better not even dare try to use any other name. Mm-hmm. The devils believe in one God and triple and they know what his name is and they know the reputation the devils know the reputation that's associated with that name there society today people have lost the reverence and the fear that's that the, the the godly reverent fear that's associated with the name of christ and so people use it loosely they use it in vain hear me today and that they're missing the authority and they're missing the reputation of what that name represents. But whenever that name has enough to take a legion of devils and set them straight, let me tell you something, folks. He doesn't, he doesn't need no endorsement from anyone else. You hear me? Christ doesn't need a, a, an endorsement. He, he doesn't need a co-signer. <laughs> Amen. He has it all wrapped up within his name. Acts 16, verse 18, another place to use the authority of this name is to receive deliverance. Has you ever wanted some deliverance in your life? Man, you'll find it if you use the name of Jesus. The Bible says, and this did she many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the Spirit. What's happening here? There's a little girl that's been following around Paul and Silas, been following them around. And she's been speaking these things, all oh, these are the people of the living God. And what she was saying was true. 
What she was saying was absolutely true. But she was just trying to bring gain to the people that she was working for, money. And uh, she had a spirit of divination, the Bible says. Paul was grieved with her just constantly following them around and turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out the same hour. He He didn't use his own name. He didn't say, well, the high potentate, high priest of the present hour. No. He said in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, that's just like whenever you read later in Scripture, the seven sons of Sceva that's trying to address a bunch of demons that's in somebody and said, I jury you in the name of Jesus by whom Paul preacheth. Now, this is a whole different thing, but they said, hey, uh, Paul I know and Jesus I know, but who are you? Important, time out, important. The authority is in his name, but it's hard for the authority to be exercised when you're out of relationship with the one whose name you're using. Someone hear me? Just like our little story earlier, had that pastor called me and said, hey, Mr. So-and-so saying you're good friends, you know what my response would have been? I don't know who you're talking about. He would have been barking up a tall tree trying to use my name because we didn't have a relationship. Amen. Uh, just here currently, I had a, a call from one of our regional directors uh, concerning somebody because, again, someone threw my name around and said that we were just good friends. I knew this person whenever we were teenagers, okay? And now he's in his 30s, the same as I am. And I said, I can't really give, I can't lean in on the situation because I don't really know this person now. And so it was a whole moot issue after they understood there was no relationship. You understand what I'm saying? Don't try to start throwing around Christ's name if you don't have a relationship with him. First and foremost, get a relationship with him and then start employing the name. Because the Bible says, I believe it is in Matthew 7, Matthew chapter number 7, the Bible says in that day, they'll say, Lord, we cast out devils in your name. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. You knew my reputation and you knew the authority of my name, but we didn't have a relationship. Amen? Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay, going on. What else? Salvation. I already quoted Acts 4.12. Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Baptism. Uh, let's just hit them, Brother Zach. Acts 2.38. I'll quote it. Go to Acts 10.48. Then Peter said to them, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. In Acts 10.48. You can get Acts 19.5 too. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. In the name of the Lord is Jesus. We understand that. Acts chapter number 9. The voice from heaven booms down and talks to Saul, whose name was changed to Paul. Why are you persecuting me? Who art thou, Lord? And he says, I am Jesus. Who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus. Lord just automatically claims he is Jesus. Lord is Jesus. All right. So being commanded to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. Acts 19, 5. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Use the power and authority, amen, of that name, amen, in baptism. We need it. We can't get sins remitted with any other name. Mm -mm. Or title. Takes the name of Jesus, amen. In the Old Testament, I'm coming to a close. I'm trying. In the Old Testament, God, God chose to reveal himself many 
Old Testament covenant names. Each one just slightly uh, showed a, a different aspect of his reputation, different aspect of his character, the Jehovah Shammah, the Jehovah Jireh, like some of the songs we were singing this morning. Uh, those things just show a different aspect or a different facet of his character or his reputation. But in the New Testament scripture, God accompanied the revelation of himself in the flesh with a new name. Amen. And that name was Jesus Christ. And it was to supersede anything else that the children of Israel or even under the law had known him by. Because Christ Jesus was the redemptive name of God in the New, in the New Testament. It was the name that saved in the New Testament. It was the name that had the supreme power, the supreme authority. In the, it was the only saving name. Even any of the covenant names of the Old Testament, none of those were saving names. You hear me? All, the Jehovah Raphai, the Jehovah uh, Tiskanu, all those of the Old Testament, none of those were a saving name. From Old Testament and New Testament, there was only one saving name. And that name is Jesus Christ. That was given for remission of sins. That was given as the highest name. Philippians 2, 9 through 11. I'll close with this if you'll stand. A good name. Philippians 2, verses 9 through 11. If I can close with these verses of Scripture. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, speaking of Christ Jesus, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, and all things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. There is a name. There is a name, a good name, a reputable name, a name of power and authority, amen, that we can put our anchor in and it'll be sure and it'll be resolute. Amen. And the thing is this, folks, you don't have to worry about losing confidence in this name. Amen. You don't have to worry about losing confidence in this name. He has a good name, a good reputation, and all authority is in that name. Can we bow our heads this morning? Father, I come. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.